and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And I really want to hear how much you're enjoying Clubhouse. <laughs> well, do you want to explain to people what Clubhouse is before we eviscerate it, or I eviscerate it? <laughs> All right, Clubhouse is this new social networking. I guess it, it's in that category um, that... Uh, Apparently, VCs in California are particularly fond of, and it's basically a social network where for now you can only get in if you get an invitation, and then you can start rooms where people use live voice to interact, and uh, you can join other rooms, you can find your friends, and uh, basically each room is like a little conference like a little place where people talk sort of a live podcast perhaps yeah when you say it like that it almost sounds attractive um but i mean what paul is referring to at the start of the podcast is that i having been invited by somebody else previously and said no it sounds like my worst nightmare um when paulo invited me i thought well yeah i owe it to him to have a go and I think I was in there for about a minute, two minutes. <laughs> and I thought, no, it is my worst nightmare. And came back out again. And then got dead grumpy because they wouldn't just let you delete your account. You have to send them an email to ask them to delete your account, which they still haven't done four days later. But there you go. It's just, you know, I have enough trouble answering phone calls from friends. Never mind wasting time listening to people babbling. Um, which may sound very ironic to the people who are listening to this podcast, but... I'll cope with that. Well, you never listen to your own postcard either, right? Oh, I, I do. It's surprising when I'm editing them. I actually get quite drawn in and listen to them. It's weird. I I must say I, I joined because I join everything. Um, and uh, I don't think I have listened to anyone yet in the sense that I haven't found any room that I found interesting. And I have yeah. received... I have received a few notifications from friends who are on it, who were doing these calls. Mm -hmm. But at the time when they were doing it, I couldn't be bothered to... to I guess the, the, the main challenge is with this real-time nature of it, which just doesn't yeah. work very well yeah. with me. I mean... No. That's, I, that's the problem. You're right. Yeah. It's uh, the fact that it's live, and I'm. I, it's not like I don't see the attraction of it. It's just that uh, it doesn't work with my schedule. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I. Um. I mean, I'm listening to less podcasts these days because I'm spending less time driving places, you know, and and I, I'm increasingly enjoying just being with my own thoughts when I'm going for walks. Um, so yeah, you're right. The combination of having to sit down at a particular time to listen to particular stuff is just not going to happen for me. Okay, so speaking of listening to podcasts while hmm. walking, the one thing that we have been postponing for some time now is talking about Fitness Plus, the new fitness service by Apple but in particular I think it's interesting that uh, last week I think yep. they, they introduced a new service called Time to Walk which essentially is a 
podcast behind a paywall with uh, synchronized to your Apple Watch. So you can basically go for a walk, record your walk on the podcast while listening to somebody talking to you and to some music. Did you try that? I, I did it. I, I wouldn't have described it in that way. It's interesting how you said it was a podcast behind a, a paywall. Um, I just thought of it as, as I think it was intended, as a, an interesting way to just try and entice people to get out and go for a walk uh, and listen to people who are, I wouldn't even use the word celebrities because maybe it's just my age, but two of them I'd never heard of. <laughs> um, but, but they were certainly new to me. And the way... The podcast is done is nice. It's it's there on a walk and slightly disconcerting because you can hear their background birds and I got slightly confused as to what kind of birds were, were in my local area. Um, but it feels a bit like you're walking with them. And, you know, I registered the domain name walkingthetalk.co.uk years ago because I thought there might be a business in, in doing just that on going for walks with interesting people. And the fact that you know, most of us find that we think more clearly when we're walking and the type of conversation you have with someone when you're walking, you know, you're not sitting facing them, you're sort of side by side. That always feels more open and interesting than normal. And so I found it disconcerting. Well, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed them. Um, Sean Mendes, uh, Dolly Parton and Uzo, and I've forgotten her name, an actress, Um in oh, all the different the one ways. From, the one from Orange is Her family Black. was from Nigeria, yeah. She's the first, first sort of generation. Yeah. Um, but uh, all of them thoughtful and provoked by the process to think more as well, which I thought was interesting in itself. And apparently the idea is there'll be a new one every week. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I, I, I listened to two or three of them too, and... Um, I agree. It's uh, slightly strange the fact that as you walk, you hear their steps and their birds and noises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I found this particularly disconcerting because I usually walk early in the morning on the hills around here and there is absolutely mm -hmm. no one. So hearing steps, I kept kind of turning around to see if there was anyone. Yeah, yeah, likewise. And it was, uh, it was slightly odd because I usually listen to audiobooks, which, you know, you just have a voice, a disembodied voice. Yeah. This this one with background noise, I'm not sure. It was strange. And then there is yeah. the music part, which I find interesting, but I don't I never listen to music while I'm out because Likewise, yeah. It's uh, while I can I can hear through the the audiobook, you know, you can't really hear through music especially with the new airpods that have the transparency mode so you can hear pretty well what is going on around you well um, i tend to only wear wear one for that reason because some of my walk is on roads where not busy but there's occasional cars and i want to hear the car coming up behind me so i tend to only have one airpod in at a time well, I, I anyway i i was a bit provocative uh, calling them a podcast behind a paywall um because I, I read this definition somewhere and uh, it, it actually it's an accurate description. It is a podcast and it is behind a paywall. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting that it appears that uh, somehow the first company actually monetizing on podcasts behind paywall is, well, not the first company, but they are having a go with it, at it in the context of Fitness Plus, um, which is quite interesting. Oh, no, there's been a couple of companies 
specific podcast aggregation companies that you have to pay a subscription to and uh, Spotify has been mm-hmm. adding podcasts. Amazon are about to add podcasts. I don't think... Well, our podcast is on Spotify. If you're listening to this through Spotify, please leave a comment and a like. <laughs> but, you know, well, I'd understood that some of that at least was behind firewalls. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, yeah, I suppose I'm just maybe nitpicking, but I didn't... I didn't think of it as a podcast in that sense. No, it it's doesn't more... have the nature. Well, it does actually have the nature of a subscription. But anyway, it's it's uh, you're listening to other people talking yeah. while walking. Yeah. It's uh, how how are you finding the rest of uh, Fitness Plus? Lo- loving it, I have to say. Um, and again, it's funny, just different attitudes. My wife mentioned the fact that now the whole family's on it and using it and she mentioned this to some of the IT folks in a call I could overhear at work and one of them said oh slaves to Apple <laughs> I thought well yeah that's one way to look at it um, the way we're choosing to look at it is that we're all getting fun exercise and an incentive to keep going that we wouldn't have had otherwise so whatever you know um, but it does work I mean I, I'm uh, well, both of us have been using the watch for some time in terms of just the metrics around your own exercise and being stretched and each month having a different challenge that's pertinent to you. But it's also the the fact that we now have access to all these workouts uh, with video coaching. And I've been doing the, the yoga ones and really, really enjoying them, um, I have to say. I mean, they're, and I've not been the sort of person who's gone to gyms. I've really struggled to keep going with any kind of yoga practice. But partly because of the, the way the presenters do it or the, the coaches do it. They're so easygoing. They're good at communicating and explaining things. There's no sort of, especially the beginner courses, there's no sense of pressure to keep up or whatever. And it's making me do it. I mean, I'm, I've been keeping up pretty regular yoga practice, which I've never managed in my life before. And so that's a plus. And certainly the two girls here are doing two or three high-intensity interval training sessions or dance sessions. I mean, the place, the whole building's throbbing with people bouncing up and down all bloody day, you know. So it's, it's uh, from that perspective, it's working. And like I say, they're enjoying it too. And, you know, being able to see the visual representation of your heart rate and the amount of exercise you've been doing from the watch displayed on the screen. It's, it's clever. It's nice. Yeah, when I, when I first read about it, I thought... I'm never going to do that. It's like Jane Fonda in the 80s. I mean, I'm not going yeah. to sit in front of it. I mean, I'm not going to I can just see you in life right stand in front of a, of, a, of a screen and, and jump up and down. Then, of course, I did. And um, and you're right. They're, they're pretty good. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, perhaps I'm primed for behavioral changes led by apps. Sense that you know, I started playing mm. guitar because of GarageBand. I started meditating because of this. I've lost twelve kilos in the last uh, four months on an app, and now I'm exercising <laughs> on an yeah, app. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's interesting how these apps help you change your behavior in a positive way, as opposed to you know, say, being addicted to social media. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, the way they're doing it, it's uh, it's it's pretty good. I mean, some stuff I still find a bit 
you know, the fact that at, at the end of every exercise they have to do the little sign of, hey, close your circle. It's like, ah, yeah. really? I mean, <laughs> but I, I guess that they should do a kind of a more European British Maybe. version yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would probably enjoy that very much. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, understated and, f- and sarcastic. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but as a first go at it, it's, uh, it's very well put together. I mean, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very interesting product. I, yeah, I yeah. wonder how successful it's been. I wonder how many, because you get it with a bigger subscription. Yes. Yeah, so, cause I've got the Apple, Pro one or whatever they call it, the, the subscription that comes with it. Um, it's interesting that question of subscriptions as well because I was reading something about the Apple TV Plus subscription, which I don't know about you, but I've just because I've got the, on the premium uh, subscription thing, and they're now giving new users more free months up until June, I think it is. I'm getting a five pound a month rebate on my Prime mm-hmm. subscription because. It equates to being free for that, so that's good. But it um, there, there was an article about Apple TV Plus, and you know they're sinking a lot of money into it. And at the moment, something like sixty percent of the subscribers aren't paying. And so they were speculating about what would happen once they start to charge for it. And but you know they were also saying it's it's a long game, and they're in it for the long haul. And when you're making, as they did last quarter, $111 billion in profit, you could afford to burn yeah, one of them I mean, yeah. to keep having a go. You know? They could, I mean, while they're at it, they could also pay for my Netflix subscription and I would appreciate it. I mean, it's it's with all the money they have, they can give this stuff for free to everybody for a while. And by the yeah. way, I have to say that uh, I, I think they're bad at selling their content because there is a number of shows that i kind of browsing the apple tv plus thing i was saying yeah mm-hmm. not that interested but then for one reason or the other i actually watched them and they were incredibly good yeah there's uh, some really good stuff on there yeah, i mean yeah. did you watch like ted lasso loved it, loved so it was it was so good and i had no idea um, yeah. the, the one about the, the video game company was also very good. I mean, it's uh, it's it's actually pretty good. St- I mean, not a lot of content, but the, what they have is not bad at all. Well, and as somebody else was making the point, they're having to start from scratch. They've got no back catalogue like Disney or MGM or any of the rest of them. So they're, uh, everything has to be made in a sense. Um, but yeah, but you know, it's uh, they can afford to play, and it's and it's back to sort of going back to the slave of Apple point and it's been interesting in the last week or so Tim Cook's been delivering a talk or a speech to a data privacy conference in Brussels and being very uh, forthright about the cost of and he doesn't name them but platforms like Facebook who are monetizing uh, reaction to things and you know he makes the point that at what cost with the polarization of views in the states or ramping up anti-vaccine sentiment um you know just because there's a reaction and that you want more of a reaction doesn't come without a price and uh you know obviously apple are pitching the fact that they're not doing that and they're not using your data for any nefarious purposes um but i think it's it's, it's interesting i mean because you know you were saying how many people are coming off WhatsApp and other 
Facebook properties, it'll be just really interesting to see how much people begin to be bothered by this. I think it's interesting. Uh, something I was thinking about a couple of days ago is uh, my father and my brother, they're starting another small business and they um, are trying to run some campaigns on, you know, digital advertising, including Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I was telling them, you know, just let the algorithm do its work. It, it, they are particularly good at that. I mean, you just set up your ads and then just let Facebook optimize the campaign and they will find the best uh, the best approach. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and of course they do. Uh, they they are very uh, if they're very strongly motivated at uh, you know building technology that can get attention that can can help people sell shit on their platform. I mean it 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 is their business model. Yeah. And uh, and I was thinking how you know Facebook back in December they ran a couple of ads saying you know Apple is against small businesses because they are preventing small businesses from advertising their product. And of course, mm. it's true. It's exactly what Apple is trying to do. And uh, how Tim Cook in his speech this week said, you know, you, advertising has had this kind of personalization only for the last few years. I mean, we have been in a healthy or more or less healthy economy and advertising before where you did not have access to all this private information. And we should go back there and uh, yeah I mean I'm I'm totally in the privacy camp and uh, against I mean I, I'm blocking everything I can everywhere all the time yeah. but on the other hand I mean I, I have been working with multiple companies that if it wasn't for Facebook they wouldn't be there I mean they have oh, access yeah. no, I know. to I know. the, the I know. And, and and of course, being able to advertise through this platform allows even a very small company with a new idea to start getting traction, to start getting visibility. Yeah. And uh, removing that, you know, I, I'm sure that Hap Apple doesn't have any problem with that. I mean, they don't sell stuff through Facebook. But a lot of people, especially a lot of developers that are selling stuff on the Apple platform, they are in business just because uh, they can advertise on social media. And uh, and not even if you're, if you're advertising. I mean, I'm aware that having pulled back from those platforms, I'm much less visible to potential clients. Um, but uh, there's some, it's somewhere in the middle of all this, isn't it? Because... As he said, you know, advertising has been around for a long time and it's not in itself, although I do think it's it's evil, but it's not inherently evil. Um, what's at issue, I guess, is the is the volume turning up on anything. It's, it's, it's you know, so long as they get clicks, they sort of, you know, at one level don't care because they, they want reaction. And that then amplifies all the negatives that people are so concerned about on the social platforms. It's the algorithms that do that as much as anything. Obviously, you need people to be saying the things in the first place, but it's the vested interests of capturing that wave. And, of course, then the advertisers all play to it as well. They'll pick up on the memes and they'll use the memes and it, it, it just all goes wrong, basically. I guess the challenge is that 
if you create an algorithm that uh, its uh, its main aim is capturing attention, yeah, and uh, you plug it in enough layers of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, allowing this plus this algorithm to automatically optimize for things, yeah. It will become much better at managing advertising, but it will also become much better at uh, propagating ideas that just uh, yeah. probably we should not be propagating. And that's the challenge with AI. I mean, that was one of the classic stories. And if you tell an AI system to eradicate cancer, the next thing you know, it's killing people because that gets rid of cancer. <laughs> you have to sort of put in the, you know, check be with me before specific. you do anything. When you yeah. instruct your AI, <laughs> be very, be careful, very but... specific. <laughs> exactly. And we're not very good at that. So so we, we do have at the moment unforeseen consequences. We, and it, we, so there's almost, there's almost two sides to the problem, isn't it? Because I, am, as people listening will know, have been wary of what's done with my data and the prospect of what looks like innocuous use of data compounding over time where two and two begins to make five and I've suddenly got things that just don't happen or don't work for reasons that I don't know. And so there's that side of it. And then there's this manipulation of society, of of sentiment, of collective opinion making. So there's the two sides of it. And I think what you're talking about, the consequence for small businesses getting traction is is more in the the latter than the former. You know, I'd quite happily just have somebody manage very tightly what happens with my actual information. I think that uh, there will probably be a next generation of uh, technology which will allow you to have both privacy yeah. and uh, personalization. Because... You know, to some degree, the, product in there. <laughs> the deal the the deal there is that I tell you about myself, and you know more about me, and consequently, you will be able to give me better advice. Um, yeah. The trick is, how do you get to know about me without me telling you everything about myself, and without me giving you access to my life? Yeah. And um, I think that there are. Uh, I attended an online. A webinar last week. Um, I don't remember the name. I'll, I'll find a link. Um, there is a guy working uh, with a company specializing in building replicas of people by having an by training an AI with everything uh, that uh, these people had written in their life, Black and Mirror. then allowing you to to ask questions and to kind of keep mm -hmm. interacting. And of course is, you know, the beginning of of something and uh, you know, one wonder how accurate that can be. But uh, it actually made me think in the context of uh, uh some personalizations that we are designing for uh, companies I work with and I was thinking you know I, I need to capture some traces of activity from my readers so I can understand better what they like what they don't like and I can mm -hmm. I can I can you know give them a better product uh, but I started thinking would it be possible to actually create virtual 
readers. Um, using AI to create uh, virtual um, customers that you can learn to interact with, you can sort of optimize content f um, for, which would basically allow me not having to know everything about you. All I need to do is uh, having some understanding of what type of uh, clients you of are. Like archetypes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So basically using AI to create uh, dynamic archetypes and then in the context of the you know, the research I'm doing, you know, picking a, a news item and basically presenting, perhaps pre presenting two news items to an archetype and saying, you know, which one do you think this uh, uh, reader is going to be more interested into or, you know, more willing to engage. And um, so I, I think that there are interesting elements of, Apple has done been doing some very interesting research in in um, creating system where you maintain you you create data set you have access to information without actually sharing the information. Uh, yes. For example, the way you can search photos on your phone um, that is based on an AI, and your photos have never been shared, but. Yes. Uh, uh, there is a way to basically create sort of a fingerprint of your of the photo, which can be used to train an AI without the photo actually ever leaving your phone. Um, so there are probably interesting opportunities out there, and I'm sure that Facebook is spending money working on that because because they they must be feeling the pressure. I mean, not just yeah. and, the, and like I said, there will be a product to fix this problem, won't there, at some point? And it sort of goes back, doesn't it? I was remembering some of the stuff that Matt did with brokerage-type layers that, let, you know, you could choose to let the system see data, but then only make that data visible to certain types of company, for instance. Or, I mean, the trouble, is, as you say, it takes effort and thought and management. Um, yeah, that's... It's also taking me back to, to Seth Godin's idea about permissive advertising, you know, that, that opportunity to say, well, and it's sort of stuff Doc talks about with um, VRM, you know, being able to say, I am interested in X, Y, or Z, please tell me about those, isn't isn't there yet, is it? My main concern with that approach is that uh, a vast majority of users are in the, the category that uh, I yeah. technically define lazy bastards. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're happy with not having yeah. to do anything and just scrolling through things. So I, I do think, I mean, I, I do agree that uh, when presented with an option, so the concern with Facebook right now is that uh, Apple is blocking more and more having access to private information on iOS. And uh, what Apple is doing is exposing the choice to to customers. So basically, they're yeah. asking you, do you want to share this information? Yeah. And the majority of people are just saying no. Yeah. Without really realizing what they're saying no to, but, you know, they're just tap no. I do think that if asked, are you willing to share your data, people will, by default, will say no. If you if we ask them, are you willing to put in the work of managing access to your information so that you can live a better life? I'm sure that a small minority of us will do it enthusiastically. 
but I'm afraid it's not good enough for for the masses, which is where most of advertising budgets are, which is the problem that in any case you need to solve. Otherwise, it will be in the other niche. Um, but but most definitely, with uh, the level of uh, sophistication that uh, AIs are are reaching, we will probably be able to have uh, you know customer models that we can use to optimize content too, um, which will work well enough. I mean, you will still get the odd thing every once in a while, but uh, the important thing is trying to get, uh, you know, the important thing is trying to get the right message to the right person at the right moment. If advertising, Isn't... all I'm saying is that if advertising works in on social media and on Google, for example, the reason why it works, the reason why it is so effective is that not always, of course, but enough times the right message gets to the right person at the right yeah. moment. Mostly spam, isn't it? It works often enough that people keep doing it. Yeah, I, I, I think that this works much better than spam. Oh yeah. But on, the on the other principle. hand, I mean, yeah. I don't want to go back to to being interrupted in the middle of what I'm doing all the time and to you know see banner ads everywhere I go. It's such a fine line because you know part of my issue is that you know the whole capitalist economy is predicated on us being convinced to buy stuff that we don't need or really want because um, we've got more than enough. Well, know. I mean. The market economy is based on you having information that you can use to make decisions, to make the best possible decision. Well, yeah, yeah. Best best for who? And that's that's the problem. So, so when I was thinking back to the beginning of the conversation about Fitness Plus or the fitness app generally and the fact that the monthly challenges that we get set are tailored to us. So, you know, the system knows that I do a lot of walking. I walk between three and five miles most days. Um, and my monthly challenge for last month was to uh, achieve all my goals every day for the whole month. So I did that, felt relieved on Saturday and then uh, on Sunday had a day off. And then this morning I got set my new challenge, which is to walk, I think it's 176 miles this month, which means walking more than six miles every day. I'm thinking, oh dear. <laughs> I thought I was doing quite well. But part of me likes that because it's like a stretch target. It's It's not... There's no downside to it, if you like. So, I, so I'm up for that type of data-driven, algorithmically-driven thing. But even with Amazon, where mostly it's telling me about things that I sort of like, um, I'm still beginning. I'm beginning to increasingly think, well, no, I've got enough books. I've got a house full of books, but Amazon keeps provoking me to buy another one, um, and I can't read them fast enough to keep up. And that, that feels increasingly wrong. So there. <laughs> yeah, speechless. And look, I, I don't buy a lot of stuff just because I see an ad. Uh, it does. Ha- I mean, I think the last time it happened, I saw an ad of uh, a company selling fonts on Instagram, and they were kind of selling twenty fonts for fifteen dollars, and I and I bought them because I I liked them, mm-hmm. and I didn't need those fonts, but 
you know, why not? But it's it, it doesn't happen often at all. But if we look if we look at the market as a whole, it works. I I think that uh, it's not by preventing advertising from working well that we are going to solve the problem of uh, no, I would agree with consumism. Uh, I mean, probably if I have to be honest, most of the ads that I see are for product that I might be interested into. I mean, if if any advertising I see of, uh, for example, clothing or shoes tend to be higher quality product that I might be interested to buy. I don't see any, you know, cheap plastic stuff that I would never buy, but I'm sure that there is plenty of of, uh, advertising of, you know, cheap plastic, plastic stuff. So educating users to or customers to to change their behavior it's not something that we do through advertising but preventing advertising from being effective is not going to be helping either no damn we haven't solved this on this episode <laughs> have we ever solved anything on any episode paulo i don't know but uh, maybe we will on the next one so <laughs> You will have to download it again. You will. I'm talking about advertising and using it to solve or not the world's problems. Um, another element of capitalism is is markets and shares. And it's been fascinating watching a bunch of Reddit users get together and start poking holes in Wall Street around shares of a company called GameStop and. Uh, that was interesting in itself, but then Robinhood, which is a share purchasing and selling platform, waded in and started stopping these people from buying the shares. And you know, for a company that's based on the ba- on the basis of um, for the people, buy the people, deciding a certain bunch of people aren't allowed to play caused all sorts of uh, reactions. And I don't know where it is currently, Paolo, but it's batted around for the most of the past week, hasn't it? About the rights and the wrongs and. Up the people well, and, I, and whatever. I, I think, I mean, my understanding of uh, what is happening is that they are really stressing the system. So, I, uh, from what I, I read, it's not that uh, Robin Hood are preventing people from doing anything legitimate, it's just that uh, they can only trade that much on a market because they need to provide guarantees, they need to provide uh, some safeguard to be able to operate on the market and uh, no one had, had ever used uh, Robinhood at that okay. intensity right. in that so I, I think it's more of a technical I think Robinhood managed to borrow another billion dollars that they managed to use as collateral but, but still it wasn't enough so they had to start uh, uh, slowing down things and now they're going there. Uh, now the same group on Reddit is going at silver. I don't know if you saw the the, the price no, of silver no. is skyrocketing as we speak. Well, as in the things over. All right, okay, interesting. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting because they are essentially everybody's playing by the rules. Um, yeah, but yeah, so uh, it's, it's it's sort of what the, what this was all for, isn't it? In a way, um, it's kind of evolution speeding up, and. It's just even my own uh, fallibility, the fact that I'd picked up on an element of the story when it was being told early, 
and had assumed that was the way it was. And of course, you've now revealed the fact that the bad guys weren't the bad guys, they were trying to be the good guys. And isn't that in itself a lesson about trying to make the right judgments about these kinds of things when they're all happening so fast and they're so interconnected? It's it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. I mean, the bad, I mean, from again, from my understanding, which might not, it's far from complete, but uh, the bad guys in the story are the hedge funds. Uh, and you know, well, you, could have, you could have you could have laid money on that, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> but the funny thing is that uh, a couple of the biggest hedge funds they have lost half of their capital in the last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. and we're talking about billions of dollars and they're getting this uh, they're squeezing them in the market because essentially they have a contract they have to buy back these shares at whatever the price and of course their bet was uh, we will buy back uh, we will buy back them at a lower price but the price actually has skyrocketed and they have to buy them back Uh, and um yeah, that's. I, mean, I, I struggle to understand it all. I have, I have to say, I mean, I did read and thoroughly enjoyed Michael Collins, is it? The or Michael Lewis, uh, the Big Short. Um, but my ability to retain any of the underlying principles of short and long and. Well, it is basically. I I I sell you a share today at a price, and I agree. Basically, I agree to give it back in some time, expecting that. By that at that time, the price will be lower, so I will make a profit. Um, essentially, you, you borrow a share, and then you have to give it back. Um, but of course, if the price and what you're betting on is that by the time you have to give it back, it will be cheaper, so you're making a profit. Um, if at the point the price goes up, then you 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 have a loss. Yeah. Um, so you basically make money if the value of a share goes down. But and this, and this in is this case, trading, co- yeah, yeah. But in this case, what happened is that um, uh, there there had a new investor entered in this company, and he uh, started kind of doing the right things. And uh, this group on Reddit said, "Oh, you know what? We actually think that this company is valuable." But uh, we need to oppone the the force dragging down the value of these shares coming from hedge funds that were yeah. shorting it. Because, of course, it's a self-fulfilling premise, right? So you have a lot of people shorting a stock. That price will tend to go down because the expectation is the price will go down. Mm-hmm. Until several thousand people from Reddit download an app and start buying these shares like crazy, <laughs> and first the point of pr- the price started going up and up and up and up, and uh, you know the the hedge funds they can hold this up to a certain point, but then they will have to to pay, and of course on the other side the redditor need to head to basically hold on to this stock and not start selling it because if they start selling then the price will go down. Um, so it's a it's a huge game of chicken, and yeah. uh, and it, it's fun because having this hedge funds guy being packed basically by there's a bit of, of a people, David and Goliath. It's brilliant. On, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's uh, it's. Uh, but equally, I know I heard somebody else saying this, but I'd been saying to my kids that that principle has consequences in the long run because people's pensions are tied into that same system. Um, 
And if the whole thing becomes too fragile, then there are potential downsides to it, I guess. I guess that's a, yeah, yeah, it is true. And and uh, if if you can have any large enough group of people on the internet that are, can start skewing the markets, uh, we are we are about to see some interesting moments. On yeah. the other hand, something to consider is that uh, a lot of these uh, the decisions on the markets these days are made by computers, and we actually oh, yes, and don't that, know yeah, very yeah. well how they are working and how they're basing your decision. So I was going to say that's that's partly why I wrote that article all those months ago because it, it it's buried deep in the system, and and the systemic consequences of some of those algorithms aren't apparent and it's sort of too late because they're running along on their own now and it gets so complicated you know it's it's yeah, and, prob and probably the other interesting thing is that, of course, these algorithm trading have been trained on data sets based on regular market dynamics. I mean, yeah. none of these yeah. uh, none of these uh, uh, algorithms had ever seen a bunch of people from Reddit writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's very interesting. It's, it's uh, we don't know where this will go, but uh, yeah. um, it's definitely an interesting time. There's another question we haven't answered on this podcast. Well, this is a state two of reasons, Two reasons to <laughs> two reasons to listen to the next one. Yeah, no, you know, this is a state of that podcast. You're here yeah. for the question, not for the answers. And it's a right old state at the moment. So thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes with uh, even more questions. <laughs> See you next time.